Amen. The enemy has been defeated. Amen. Man. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm glad that you came to church today. Aren't you glad? Slap somebody and say, I'm glad. Man, I'll tell you guys what. The enemy has been defeated. You know, death couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't hold Jesus down. And now, guess what? Because of his sacrifice and because of our faith in him, now death can't even defeat us. Because death is not the end. Amen? Amen. It's not the end. Death is not the end. Let me tell you something. Uh, the, The devil tried everything he could to try to intimidate, to try to make us feel trapped, to make us feel isolated, to make us feel defeated. But because of Jesus' victory, you and I are now part of the benefits of the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Last week we talked about healing. We've been in this series talking about now faith is, and we're going to continue in that thread uh, today talking about healing. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down. Live expecting. Look at somebody and say, live expecting. (laughs) Oh, look at somebody and say it like you mean it. Live expecting. Say it like you're in church today. Come on. Look at somebody and say, live expecting. Last week we talked about healing and we talked about a lot of things. We covered the origin of death and sickness and disease because how many of you know that in the Garden of Eden, which was God's perfect will, God's perfect paradise, that there was supposed to be absolutely no death, no disease, no sickness, none of that stuff. Everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden, and everything in the, in the Garden of Eden was the perfect will of God. Amen? And we know that death came from the fall of man, uh, and so did sickness and disease. Everything that was in the Garden of Eden was corrupted. When man handed over that authority that God had given him in Genesis 1 and 26, where God is talking about creating man, he says, let them have dominion or authority or jurisdiction over this earth and everything that creeps in the earth. I'm giving man dominion over the earth. When we sinned, when we fell in the garden, essentially authority was handed over to the enemy. And this resulted in sin flooding the earth and all of mankind being born under a curse. And there was no ability that you and I possessed to right this wrong. There was no ability that you and I possessed through this sin. Because what happened is the Bible actually began to tell us that the wages of sin is what? Death. In other words, what we earned for our sin was death. But God, through his grace and mercy, had prepared a way to redeem or to buy back mankind. That's where we learn that Jesus, who had no sin in him, and get, get this, mankind was born under a curse this cursed bloodline, because generation after generation after generation, this bloodline of sin and death and all of this junk from the fall, all of this stuff were, this, it, that we're in this world that's full of sin, the Bible says that by nature we were children of wrath by nature. It was part of our nature. But guess what? Jesus broke the bloodline. You see, Jesus broke the bloodline because he wasn't fathered by a man, Right? Jesus was fathered by the Holy Spirit, born of what? A virgin. Okay? So you see here that when Jesus was conceived, that the redemption of mankind was already at hand. And then he maintained that perfection by living a life that wasn't full of sin. You see, Jesus had already made the way, and then he had to give his life to complete it. Now, uh, he maintained that purity by living that life without committing sin. He truly was perfect spotless and the only one who could take our penalty for sin jesus took sin sickness and all of its baggage somebody on the cross amen 
You see, that's why 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so we could know righteousness. He who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, didn't know any sin, was not a part of this fallen bloodline of Adam. He was called the second Adam. You can read about that in Romans chapter 5, where the Bible talks about Jesus being the second Adam. There was the first Adam. He blew it. Jesus came. He's this pure son of God, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and then he lived a life without sin, blameless before God and man. And it was that blood, that sacrifice that paved the way for you and I to know righteousness. Now we understand that through faith we can be made right in the eyes of God through Jesus. Not because of our works or anything that we could do, right? It's through faith in Jesus. It's by grace you were saved through faith, not of works. Because if it was because of works, we could pat ourselves on the back and talk about how good we were and how special we were. The only thing that makes me special is Jesus. The only thing that makes me right is Jesus. And so we have to understand that. But also, not only were we made right, not only were we forgiven, but the things that were lost in the garden were restored. And we talked about that last week. That authority over everything that was a result of the fall of man. Sin. We now have authority over sin. Amen? The enemy has been defeated. We just got through singing a rock and roll song. Let me tell you what. The enemy has been defeated. That means sin has been defeated. That means all of the junk that the enemy brings with him has been defeated. And you and I, because of Jesus, have access to that authority. Not our authority, because on our own we have no authority. It's Jesus' authority that you and I now can operate in and walk in through faith in him. That he has now opened the way for us and he has redeemed everything that was a result of the fall of man. Sin, sickness, all this baggage that came along with it. And guess what? Ultimately, death. Amen? Ultimately, because we were supposed to live forever in the garden. And guess what? We are going to live forever. Because of Jesus. Right? In that perfect paradise with him. But here's the thing. To receive healing, we must live expecting I want you to write that down. To receive healing, we must live expecting. If you brought your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew and the ninth chapter. Matthew chapter 9. And verse 20, Matthew 9 and 20 said, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. His garment, talking about Jesus' garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now, I know that we've heard this story, a lot of us, and we've read about the woman with the issue of blood and how when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment that she was made whole. But have you ever really thought how weird that was? I mean, let's just get real for a second. Have you ever thought about how strange that was that this woman touched Jesus' clothes 
and she was made whole, this garment that she grabbed a hold of? Did she just think Jesus had like magic clothes or something? I mean, think about this, really. I mean, let's look back and think about this because this really happened, folks. So let's think about this for a minute. Why on earth would a woman see Jesus walking through the crowd and think if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I'm going to be made whole? Why would she think that that would happen if she touched the hem of his garment? I mean, surely she had seen Jesus, the Messiah, the one who they believed was the Messiah, the, the coming Christ, the one that was supposed to redeem mankind. You see, here in the Jewish culture, you need to understand something, that all of these people were all expecting Messiah to come at any time. Okay, they were always waiting on pins and needles, waiting for Messiah to come. As a matter of fact, every time a woman would get pregnant, they would wonder, is this going to be the Messiah? Every time a baby boy was born, they were wondering, was this going to be the coming Messiah? Because they knew all of the prophetic scriptures concerning Messiah because they were taught about Messiah from a very early age because they were very excited about the fact that they were going to be redeemed, the fact that they were going to be set free from this penalty of sin. And so all the Jewish people were looking for the Messiah. And let me tell you, some Jews today are still looking for the Messiah. Did you know that? The Jewish people, the religious Jewish people who rejected Christ as a whole, are still looking for their coming Messiah. But he's already come. You see, and, and some of these people caught that. Some of these people knew that the Messiah had come and they thought, if this is him, then I know there's going to be certain things that are going to happen as a result because I know what's supposed to happen when the Messiah comes, when the promised one comes. And this woman reached out and touched his garment. She was made whole. Now, I want you to catch something today. Her motivation wasn't Jesus' clothes. It was the word of God. What? You see, her motivation wasn't Jesus' clothes, it was the word of God. You see, this garment that the woman desired to touch was actually called a talit. That's the Hebrew word that what we call as a modern day, what we refer to as a prayer shawl. And I have one here, this is actually from Israel. And uh, religious Jews and rabbis, teachers of the law would wear these things. And uh, as a matter of fact, they still wear them today. Have you ever seen anything similar to this being worn by a, a rabbi or a religious Jew? As a matter of fact, they don't wear it like this today um, as much. Uh, maybe some of the, the more traditional uh, Jews do. They actually make modern clothes like the shirt I'm wearing, and they'll actually sew these tassels and all these different things into the shirt, and they actually will wear it as an undergarment under their clothes. And so a lot of modern-day Jews still wear this. They just wear it in a different way. It's kind of like, you know, the cool way of wearing it, I guess. I don't know. You know, we don't want to wear that thing around our neck. We want to have the cool version, you know. So, but, but this is what Jesus walked around and he, he wore. And actually, this is scriptural. You can see this in Numbers chapter 15 and verse 37. If you want to look that up later, you can read about um, where God was giving uh, all of the priesthood and all of the elements and different things to Moses and telling him how things needed to be run and talking about all the curses and the penalties for this sin and that sin and what needed to be done. He, he ordered them to create this garment and he ordered them to very specifically create it. See, all of these colors 
in this garment means something and all these tassels mean something. If you know anything about the Jewish culture and the Jewish heritage, everything means something. Numbers, color, uh, you know, the days and months of the year, the, uh, the, the year that we're in, everything has very significant meaning. And so this wasn't just any old garment. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus referred to it as a prayer closet is what it was also referred to in scripture. You can look at Matthew 6 and 6. Jesus talked about going into your prayer closet. He wasn't talking about a room that you built off of your house. He was talking about here because when you go into the temple, you would put this on and this was your alone time with God when you go pray. It's just you and God under this prayer shawl, okay? And this is what they would do when they would go into the temple, is they would cover themselves and they would go and pray. And it was just them and God. Now, this thing referred to as the tallit has a lot of different things. I want to share some of it with you. Um, The blue is a royal blue that is supposed to represent royalty, and uh, this white is supposed to represent purity, If you'll notice, the flag of the nation of Israel is what colors? Blue and white. You're seeing that they have the the blue star of David, and then it's blue stripes on it, and then it's a white flag. That is also uh, significant. All of these things uh, mean something. There's scriptures in the corner of all, all four corners of this garment, as was instructed by God to Moses to put scriptures on all four corners. And then these knots are to represent the promises of God. So when a Jew would pray, he would go in and cover his head and he would grab a hold of these knots and he would rub these knots and remember the promises of God. And he knew what each knot meant. Each knot represented a different promise. And as he would pray, he would call out the promises of God. He would call out the promises of God. Thank you, God, that you are the healer. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Sidkenu. You And they would call out the different names of God and the different promises of God as they wore this garment that was covered in scriptures and in the word of God. Now, um, the strings at the end of the garment were, are called zitzit. Okay? Let's, I'll say that together, shall we? Since it's so fun, I feel bad saying it alone. Zitzit. There you go. And these, all of these tassels are called tzitzit, also traditionally referred to as the wings of the garment. And you can kind of tell why, right? Kind of looks like the, the end feathers, or the, the, this looks like the wings of a bird. So they would refer to it as the wings, okay? And so these tzitzit represent the wings of the garment. Now, I want to show you something. Turn to the book of Malachi and the fourth chapter. Malachi chapter 4. Now remember, I told you that every Jew understood these prophecies concerning Messiah and knew these prophecies. In the book of Luke, he gives an account of this woman with the issue of blood, and he talks about how she had suffered many physicians, okay? So in other words, she was broke because she spent all of her money giving it to the doctors, and no one could help her. They didn't know why she had this flow of blood for 12 years. For 12 years, she had been suffering with this, and nobody could help her. But this woman heard about Jesus, and she had heard that Jesus was in town She had heard all the commotion and she had heard all of the murmurings and all of the rumblings that the Messiah had come. I want you to look at uh, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. 
This is a prophecy concerning the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with what? With healing in his what? Wings. And you shall go out and grow like stall-fed calves. You see, this scripture was concerning the prophecy of Messiah. And this woman wasn't the only one that got a hold of this either. Because you can see in Matthew chapter 14, the same thing happens to a different group of people. Matthew 14 and verse 36, it says, uh, let's look at verse 35, Matthew 15 and 35. says, and when the men of that place recognized him, or in other words, they recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew that that was him. They recognized that he was the Messiah, said they sent out into all the surrounding region to bring to him all who were sick. And they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and be made, uh, and, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. You see, so there's a whole group of people that said, the Bible says they recognized him. In other words, they knew this was the Messiah. This was the promised Savior. And we, once we recognized him, let's go get a bunch of sick people. And all we want to do is touch the hem of his garment. That's all they wanted to do. They didn't want him to lay hands on them. They didn't want him to spit on the ground and make mud pies and put it in their eyes to be healed. Just like, you know, that happened before. They didn't want him to speak a word. They didn't want him to do anything. They said, we begged him only to touch the hem of his garment. Now, here we have two different scenarios here where someone wanted to touch the hem of his garment. Now, why do you think that was? Because you see, they understood that once they recognized the Messiah, they recognized him. They knew that there would be healing in the Messiah's wings. And the best thing that they could figure out, the best thing that they could figure out was that the scripture was talking about the wings of this garment that they saw because this was a sacred garment. This wasn't just like going and buying a t-shirt or something. This was a sacred thing. And all they knew is that they thought there's going to be healing. When the son of righteousness comes, he's going to rise with healing in his wings. And there he is. And there's the wings of his garment. There's the zitzit. That's what that word is. That zitzit. There's those, that healing in his wings. And I'm going to go and touch that. That's all I want to do because I know there's supposed to be healing in that. Now, did Jesus have magic clothes? Did Jesus' clothes heal that woman? Let's look back at this real quick. In Matthew chapter 9, it doesn't say Jesus' clothes made her well. But here's what it did say in verse 22. Jesus said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your what? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Somebody say that your faith has made you well. We got to get this. Your faith has made you well. That faith in the word of God. You see, she knew that Messiah was supposed to heal. And the best that these people had it figured, this, this other group and this woman with the issue of blood, is that she said to herself, if I could only touch this hem of his garment, if I could only get a hold of this area, because I know what Malachi says. I know what the prophet Malachi said. I, I've heard all of the scriptures and all of the text concerning the prophecy of the coming Messiah, and I know he's supposed to have healing in his wings, and I desperately need a miracle. 
I desperately need healing because I've suffered many things from many doctors and I'm going to step out in faith and go grab a hold of that because I want to be made well. And then another group of people says, let's go get all the sick people we know because Jesus is in town and we recognize he's the Messiah. You remember the guy that has healing in his wings. If you'll just let us touch the hem of your garment. You see, they understood. They weren't grabbing clothes. You see, they were actually grabbing a hold of the word of God. They were actually grabbing a hold of the prophecy that they knew that Messiah was supposed to be able to heal. And when they saw that, it stirred their faith. You see, it wasn't about clothes. It was about them connecting and having that contact connection point in their faith to do what they knew that the Messiah was supposed to do, and that was to heal. Right? Are you getting this this morning? They were expecting, they were expecting something because they were stirred up. Their faith was stirred when they recognized who Jesus was. Because faith is expecting God to do what he said he would do. Faith is expecting God to do what he said he would do. Look uh, down at uh, Matthew 9 and few verses down in verse 27 the bible says when jesus departed from there two blind men followed him crying out saying son of david have mercy on us and when he had come into the house the blind men came to him and jesus said to him do you believe that i am able to do this and they said to him yes lord then he touched their eyes saying according to your what say it loud and say it proud according to your let it be done unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him into all of the country. It was according to their faith. It was according to the woman with the issue of blood's faith. It was according to these two blind men's faith that they had been healed and made whole. You see, it was according to their faith that allowed God to have that connection point where they trusted him, where they believed that he would do what he said he would do. Jesus didn't just heal them. He asked them a question first. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe, or are you just coming here just, just rolling the dice? I mean, do you really believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, we believe. And then he said, according to your faith, be made whole be healed according to your faith you see people have this notion a lot of times that maybe the more people we get praying or the longer we pray or the louder we pray or using the right words or the right enunciation that maybe god will like us enough and all of a sudden he will hear our prayers now there's nothing wrong with having prayer requests and getting a lot of people praying on a situation but let me tell you it doesn't move the hand of God any more than just your prayer amen what we do when we have more people pray what we're doing is essentially we're agreeing and we're standing in faith and it's actually supposed to help build our faith that we're all trusting God together not that all of a sudden we're all getting together and because more people are praying God hears it because it's louder that's not how it works you think God is deaf do you think we have to yell at God 
A lot of people think they need to pray loud. Or if I pray very passionately, then God will hear my prayer. Oh, God, I'm praying today. I need a healing because my pinky toe is hurting. And, Lord, I need a miracle. And then he goes, whoa, whoa, what was that? Whoa, I heard that prayer. Pinky toe, boop, healed. We laugh at that, but we do that sometimes. Or sometimes we'll say things like this. We'll say, Oh, thou is Lordest in heavenest, hallowed beest, thyest nameth, and I prayeth that thou would healest me. And we think we have to say it a certain way, and we think we have to be all like King James because that's how everybody in the Bible spoke, right? Everybody spoke in King James. Heck, Jesus used the King James Bible, right? Even though it wasn't printed till 1611, right? I mean, that people think that they have to say things a certain way or do things a certain way. And we get caught up in all of this religiosity that makes us feel like we're motivating God to do something for us. If we do it just right. He's not interested in the exact right wording. Maybe, I don't remember that scripture just right. I hear people tell me this stuff all the time. Like, oh, you know, I, I, I wish I could pray like so-and-so. Or I wish I could, you know, be bold like this. Or I wish I could say those things. Man, they have just such a way with words. And I can't tell other people about Jesus. I can't witness to other people. I can't tell other people about the goodness of God. Because, you know, I don't know enough scriptures. And I just can't. But so-and-so can just spat them off just like this. It's just awesome. Why do we think that we have to get everything so articulate and so correct, and if we don't, God won't hear us. Let me tell you something, folks. God is looking at our heart, and you might miss a few words in quoting that certain scripture, but as long as you have the core of what it says understood and in your heart, that's what really matters. It's wonderful if you can memorize it word for word and say it just like it says it in the Bible because it helps bring better understanding. But if you can understand the core of what is being said and you're praying or you're trying to speak the word over your family or over your children, if you don't get it just right, that does not mean God will not hear you. Oh, there was an and there and you said thee. Uh, I don't know. Could you try it again maybe? Let's, 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 let's do it again, right? It's not like a game show where God's throwing you a lifeline trying to get the words just right or trying to do it so perfect doesn't impress God. You know what? It doesn't impress God. That's why when we worship Him, if you want to go off of the, the, the screen, that, that's wonderful. But when, when those words disappear and everyone goes, <gasps> and we're still singing, <laughs> you know, you can just sing from your heart. You know, you can sing, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for blessing me. Thank you, Father, for letting me come here safe and then my family as well and thank you god for our great church thank you lord that we're loving you and loving people serving the world i just want to tell you how great you are today you know that's every bit as good as the fancy words on the screen maybe even a little bit more if you got it in here more amen because it's from the heart. God's not going, oh, that person over... I'm going to do this and nobody get mad at me later. Oh, that person over there was singing off key. That person over there. I don't know. God's not looking at that. So we've got to stop trying to impress God to get Him to move in our situation.
Oh, somebody, I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. (laughs) It's faith that activates the power of God. Somebody say faith. Faith. Activates Activates. the power of God. Faith in what, folks? What? In His Word. In what He has spoken. In what He has given us. In what He has already said. Faith activates the power of God in our lives because it is through faith in Jesus in the first place, that we even get to have access to God. It's through faith that we're saved. It's faith in His Word and trusting Him. And guess what it does? Trusting Him, it gives me confidence because I can trust and know that what God says is good. Amen? That's why it says it in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That verse starts off by saying, now this is the confidence that I have. Is that I know that if I ask anything according to his will. Well, you can't know the will of God. Yes, you can. It's printed right here in my hand. And if I see it in his word, I know it's his will. Amen? If I see it in his word, that means it's for me and it's for you. Amen? So how do I access it? I access it by trusting in His Word and believing that He's going to do what He said He's going to do and putting my action behind that. You see, the woman didn't say, Oh, if Jesus just comes by here and His garment falls on me, then I'll be made whole. No, what did she have to do? She had to press through the crowd. She had to push through some folks. She had to do something. She didn't sit at home feeling sorry for herself. She didn't sit at home going, oh, well, I wish Jesus come by and see me. She pushed through the crowd. She said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I could just imagine this busy, dusty street with just noise level being so high. And she's just trying to yell out to him and say, Yeshua, Yeshua. She's trying to get his attention. And maybe someone trips her and she falls down. She just wants to grab the hem of that garment. If I could just get a hold of him, I know there's healing in his wings. You see, she had to move. She had to do something. Amen, somebody? Sometimes you got to move. You got to do something. You got to press through the crowd. You got to press through the junk. You got to press through the noise. You got to press through the dirt and the grime and the muck to take hold of what Jesus said he would do. And you got to trust him. You got to trust him. And you got to move. You got to move. You got to get up and you got to do something. And you got to make your faith active. Amen? Amen. If I have confidence in someone, I expect them to follow through because I know their word is good. You know anybody that their word is good? You know that guy that when he tells you he'll do something and you can bank on it, it won't get done? You don't borrow money from that guy or you don't let him, I mean, you don't let him borrow money from you, right? You don't do business with that guy very often or you're like, oh, I know if I ask so-and-so that no way, no chance that's going to get done. So I might as well not even waste my time, right? But the Bible says this is the confidence that we have because we know he's going to do what he said that he would do. You know, that's... Um, one of the reasons that I love our staff here at Word of Grace, um, I think that we have a wonderful staff because I have confidence in them. You know, I give them tasks and I tell them, listen, guys, I want you to do this and this and this. And I don't, 
lay in my bed at night and go, Oh, I wonder if Pastor Mike's going to get that done. Oh, I wonder if Pastor Keith or Alyssa or Mike, I wonder if anybody's going to get that stuff done. Oh, no. I better call him. I got to text him. <laughs> I wouldn't have much confidence in my folks, would I? I don't worry about it. Why? Because they've proven themselves. They've proven their character. They've proven the fact that I know I can trust them. And because of that, I delegate or I give someone instruction and I don't worry about it. That's the confidence I have in people. As wonderful as that is to have confidence in people, how much more confidence should we have in God and His Word? Amen? How much more confidence should we have in the fact that God has given us His promises? He says, now this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So what kind of prayers does God hear? The loud ones? The King James Version ones? The one that have a million people saying the same thing and praying? No. What's the ones he hears? The ones that are according to his will. Oh, got quiet in the room. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That means I need to pray the word of God. Come on, somebody. I, I need to pray the Word of God because when I pray the Word of God, I know He always hears me because I have confidence that He's going to do what He said He's going to do. It's about that simple. That means that what I'm praying needs to be have some kind of scriptural foundation or scriptural backing because otherwise I could say, God, I want Tom. It was like sitting in Santa Claus's lap. Seriously, and that's how some people look at God. I want a million dollars. Well, I mean, God wants to bless you, sure. But I mean, and then all of a sudden just money falls out from the sky. Is that how it's supposed to work? He said, ask anything according to his will. Yes, he wants to bless you financially. Yes, he'll prosper you. And yes, you may even make a million or more than that. And that's wonderful. And God can bless everything you set your hands to. That's wonderful. That's a promise of God. But yet to just ask him for something and sit by and just wait for it to happen and not even sure if it lines up with his word or his will or the way that he wants us to do it or the things that need to be correct or in place in our lives. The Bible says in Peter talking about how men need to treat their spouses right so their prayers won't be hindered. Let me say it slow so I can say it some more. Bible says, forgive one another, lest you be forgiven. You see, we want all the benefits, but we don't want to do our part. We got to line up with the word of God. Amen, somebody. Anyways, okay. Christian, uh, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. Are you getting anything out of this today? I am. I'm having a good time up here all by myself. God desires, understand this, God's will is God's desire, first of all. I want you to get that. God's will is God's desire, okay? So it's not like he's like, oh, great, I promised that, and now I've got to do it. No, he desires to do it, okay? We need to understand that. So God desires because it's God's will, because it's based on what? My thinking or my reasoning? No, because it's based on what? 
the word, which is the foundation, which is the rock. God desires, God's will for us to walk in authority over sin, over sickness, and over everything that was a result of the fall of man. You see, you've got to understand, all of the junk that came as a result of the fall, God desires for us to walk in authority over it. Because he's given us authority. Why would he give us authority and go, I didn't really mean that. I don't really want you to walk in authority over that sin, that habit. I really want it to control your life. Is that how this works? No. No. If it's in his word, it's his will. And if it's his will, he desires it for us. God desires for us to walk in authority over sin, over sickness, and everything that was a result of the fall of man, even ultimately death. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen. Christianity is so much more than good people who do good deeds and try to be good moral people. A lot of times that's what we've boiled Christianity down to, and that's all we may think that Christianity is, is just good people doing good deeds and that are good moral people. And yes, that is part of it. We should be doing good deeds and we should be good moral people. But guess what? There's so much more to it than just being a nice person. Amen? We have this Mr. Rogers picture in our mind of what a Christian should look like. We should all think it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We should all wear cardigans and we should all change our shoes at random times. And we have this idea that this is what Christians are. And that, oh, somebody is, somebody's mean to you and you're just like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm not. And that's what we think. Just good people. Just good. Always just every other word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see you today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's like all the time we're in church. All the time, you know. And it's just, praise the Lord. And that's what people think the epitome of Christianity is. It's more than just being a good person. It's more than just coming to church. Amen, somebody. To be a Christ follower and to really put your faith in Him is to be a person who lives in this world but doesn't have to be subjected to the lies and the junk in this world. Amen? 1 John 4 and 4 says, You're of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The one that lives in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Than the one that's trying to intimidate you. That's trying to make you feel like sickness is the will of God. Because it's not. All right. A lot of people think that sickness is the will of God. A lot of people think, oh, God's trying to teach me a lesson. I look all throughout the scriptures in, in, in Jesus' ministry. I looked all throughout what God has done. And I never saw, not one time, Jesus said, Oh, you've been a bad boy. Sickness on you. I'm going to teach you something. Amen, somebody. He doesn't put sickness on people. He heals sickness and disease. John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but jesus said i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly amen that's why jesus came oh one claps everybody claps come on we've got to get this we've got to understand that god wants us to walk in the things that he has given us to walk in 
He wants us to walk in authority over sin. Amen? He doesn't want pornography and lying and all this junk to control your life. He doesn't want alcoholism. He doesn't want drugs. He doesn't want cheating around and, and lust. He doesn't want that stuff to control your life. You know it? And he doesn't want sin to control your life. He doesn't want sickness to control your life either. Amen? Amen, somebody. You see, it isn't our authority, but it's Jesus' authority. Because it's greater as he. Not greater as me, greater as he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. It's Jesus' authority. But he gives us that authority as believers to live victorious lives over the thing that God intended from the beginning of time for us to walk in authority over. I'll show you a scripture that we read last week. Um, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said he's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That word power is the word jurisdiction. That word power is that word authority. It's reign. It's dominion. I've given you authority over the authority of the enemy. So whatever authority he thinks he has, guess what? I got him whooped. When Jesus went to hell, he got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Took them from the devil. And now guess what? Because of his sacrifice, you and I can walk in victory. Amen? Amen. At least that's what the Bible says. I mean, I hope you believe it. Do you trust that the word is true? I look back on... Everything that I've taught here, I've been here about eight months now. And I look back, and the main theme, I guess, that I saw through all of my notes and, and all my teaching that I've done here is the main theme I, I, I could find was two things. And that was that we need to be responsible for the things that God has made us responsible for. And I saw that responsibility theme in all the messages I preached. And then I saw another theme that the Word of God is the ultimate authority. I've preached on those two things a lot, just in a lot of different ways. If you've been here the, the, the whole time I've been here, wouldn't you agree? And the messages that you've heard, those two things kind of, yeah, that, that does kind of ring a bell. Pastor Derek does talk about that a lot. And the reason I do is because I believe it's the heart of God trying to get across to His people that the Word of God is the ultimate authority. It has the say-so over anyone else who tries to declare or make anything fact or true just by their words or their reason. Amen? Because we live in a world where truth is relative and people think that they can, they can just make their own truth or they can choose to believe whatever they want to believe and they're good and that's their version of truth. There's got to be something higher and more powerful and more current and more consistent than that. Amen? Because if I base my beliefs on the way I feel about something, what if I feel differently about it next year? My beliefs changed. I can't build my life on that because I'll be on a roller coaster and I won't have anything stable and consistent to believe in and to build my life upon. I choose to believe the Word of God because it's true. Amen? Just because I believe it it does not make it true. 
I believe the Word of God because it is true. So somebody say this with me. The Word of God is true, and I believe it. Think about that for a minute. The Word of God is true, and I believe it. It's not true because I believe it. It's going to be true whether I believe it or not. You know that? And people are going to discover that, that the words of God are true, no matter what they choose to believe in their life. So you've got to understand this. We've got to understand that this is the truth of God's word. It isn't our authority. It's Jesus's authority that's based on this truth that is never changing, that is forever settled, that is forever true. Amen? We need to begin to see ourselves like God sees us. Because a lot of us have a distorted view of ourselves. Distorted view of what God wants to do for us and what He has promised and what He will actually do. We have a distorted view of God. Oh, well, I don't think God will do that for me. He doesn't like me very much. I don't think God will do that for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah that may be fine for some folks, Pastor Derek, but you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. I, I'm one of those people. I, I can't say it right. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Am I doing it right? I mean... Am I, do, am I doing it right? You see, we have these distorted views of what God can do and what he will do. So we've got to see ourselves like God sees us. And here's how we do that. We must begin to allow his word to change us and realize that his word is alive. The Bible said the word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's divided between soul and spirit, Right? between joint and marrow. That's what the Bible says. It's living. The Word of God is living. And and see, we've got to understand that His Word is alive, and it is for me, and that God desires for me to walk in victory over things He intended for me to walk in victory over. So that means I've got to hold the Word of God up and look at it and see myself. I've got to see myself in the Word of God. I've got to see that reflection, not of what I've done in my past, not of my shortcomings, not of my failures, but how does Jesus see me? And when I read that word, I've got to say, he's talking to me. He's not talking to my neighbor. He's not talking to my friend. He's talking to me, right? We've got to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. He desires for us to walk in authority. I've got to see that. I've got to understand that means me. Look at somebody and say, that means me. Now look at him and say, that means you. We've got to understand that that's what he's talking to, authority over sin, sickness, and everything that was a result of the fall of man. That means me, and that means you. The Word is living, and it creates the expectation that something good is coming. When something is alive, it's creative. It has the ability to create. This, This Word is alive, and it creates the expectation that something good is coming. The Word of God stirs our faith. As a matter of fact, that's where faith comes from in the first place. It's what Romans 10 and 17 says. It says, faith comes by and hearing by the... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now check this out in Proverbs chapter 4. Y'all making me all nervous up here. Lonely page turner. Proverbs chapter 4. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4. I want you to write this down if you're not going to turn to it. That's fine. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 says this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. 
for they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Somebody say health. Health to all their flesh. That word health is the actual Hebrew word translated as medicine. That word is medicine. So he's saying here, attend to my words. Attend to what I have spoken to you, what I've given you, what I've shown you in my word. Keep those things in the midst of your heart. Don't let them depart from your eyes because they're life to those who find them and they're medicine to your flesh. They are health to your flesh. You see, if we want to be healed, we must have faith in his word. Amen? That means we need to understand that God is still in the healing business. Amen? And not only is he willing, but he is able. We need to attend to his word, folks, to equip ourselves, to stand in faith for our healing or anything else that he promises in his word for that matter. That means that when you don't feel good, you still trust him and you're standing on the word of God. I gave you a couple examples last week of times that God has healed me, that I knew that it was God, that it wasn't, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I went to go see a doctor or something. But how, how many of you know God gives us doctors? God has given us medicine. God has blessed us with other things. But how many of you know that we can trust God for our healing and he still heals. I gave you a couple of examples like when I was a teenager one time and then when I was a youth pastor. I gave you those two examples last week when personally I had experienced, uh, I mean, it was no doubt, it was, it was God. It wasn't just, oh, it popped back in place or whatever. It, it was definitely God and I was trusting God for my healing. Well, I had something like that happen just the other day. So I had a fresh testimony. I was like, thank you, God. Now I have a, a, a more recent story I can share with everybody about how God did something to me. I love talking about what God did in other people, but I love telling you what God did in me. <clears throat> I've been working out um, for the past three months with a trainer, and he pushed me really hard the other day. I, I mean, really, really hard. As a matter of fact, so hard that I collapsed, like no joke. I mean, I, I fell over. He got scared to death. He made me sit down for like 30 minutes before he would let me drive home. He just pushed me too hard, and he knew he did, and he apologized for it and gave me a free one-hour session with him. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he pushed me past my limit. But because of that, I injured my knee really, really bad um, to where I, if I would bend like maybe, let me move over here where y'all can see me. If, 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 I, if I bent like that much, I would be in excruciating pain. Well, if you've ever been to the church office, you know there's this ridiculously steep staircase that goes up to my office, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's like you have to, it's, it's almost like rappelling or something, you know. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's absolutely ridiculous. And so uh, I'm sitting there, you know, I got to climb this mountain whenever I go back to work. And in my house, all my kids all, you know, stay downstairs. And that's the way we like it. And so I got to go downstairs. <laughs> I got to go downstairs a lot, you know. And, uh, anyway. and so I'm sitting there going, I can't just walk stiffly. And, and Carl made mention of it uh, at Tuesday night uh, worship practice because I was doing this number. He's like, what's wrong with you? You know, and I, I told him, I said, man, I hurt, hurt my knee really bad. <clears throat> and I mean, I was in pain and, and then it hit me. I said, what have you been preaching about? What have you been preaching about? Pastor. I had one of those moments. And so I got into the word of God and I said, what did God say about this? And I began to stand upon his word and I began to say, well, you already paid for this, Jesus. You paid for my healing. You created my body. This is how I would pray, and this is what I'd say. I say, you created my body, and you know every joint. You know every muscle. You know every tissue. And I pray that my body will line up to the way that you originally designed me and created me to be. 
And I know that that wasn't designed and created to be hurting like that. And I pray that you would heal me and make me whole. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And guess what happened? Ah! It hurt. And guess what happened the next day? Still standing in faith. I was still thanking God. Thank you for my healing, Lord. Thank you so much that you heal me. Thank you. I know your word is true. I was in the shower, and I was trying to bend down to pick up the soap, and I just, oh, oh, oh. And I said, thank you for my healing. I thank you for my healing, God. I thank you that you healed me, and I'm just going to trust in you, and I thank you for it. And I was hobbling around, hobbling around, and hobbling around. And then as I was at work, I was sitting at my desk after I made it up those excruciating stairs. And I was sitting there, and, and that was the worst. Like when I would sit down, because you would get, you know, your knee would get stiff from sitting there for so long. And then when you get up, it's just like, oh my goodness, it's almost like you injured it all over again. And I got up from my desk, and that day that I got up from my desk, it was completely healed. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And I haven't had any pain since. I sat down. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap. Amen. So I'm telling you, you can call that what you want to call it, but I was standing in faith, trusting in God, and I'm going to chalk that up as a healing from the Lord. Now, now, why did I receive that? Because I'm the pastor of the church and God really likes me? No. That's not how it works. God doesn't like me any more than he likes you. You know that? The reason that I was healed is because I chose to stand on his word. Now, it didn't happen for a few days out. But you know, when that woman grabbed a hold of that garment of Jesus, you know, she wasn't immediately healed either. The Bible says she was healed within the hour. You know that? It's what the word said when she grabbed a hold of that hem of his garment. So she was made whole from within that hour. So when you feel like it and when you don't, <clears throat> when you feel good and when you don't, stand on the word and trust God because he's worthy to be trusted. Amen? Amen. So today I'm going to help give you some armor concerning healing. I want you to write this scripture down. Ephesians 6 Verse 10 through 18, I want you to go home and read those. I, I, I didn't want to read those today for time's sake, but it talks about the armor of God that you and I need to put on to stand against the attacks of the enemy. And we need to put on that armor, and we do that by putting his word in our hearts and in our lives, and we armor up. But today I'm going to help you, and I'm going to give you some of that armor concerning healing. But it won't do you any good unless you have the faith to trust that God will do it. Right? Isn't that what we've seen? It wasn't the clothing. You can't come up here and touch this and be healed today. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's trusting in God and trusting in his word. Jesus said, according to your faith, not according to my clothes. He said, according to your faith. And then the people that were healed later, the blind men, it was according to your faith. It was according to the fact that you said I was able to do this and you trusted me. <clears throat> Now, on your way out of the auditorium today, there's tables set up where you normally, you know, can get pens and, you know, tissue and different things. Um, what we have on those tables is some cards, and some of you may have already gotten Have some of you guys already got those cards? And they're, what they have is they have healing scriptures on them. And it's 31 healing scripture references on there, one for every day of the month, Okay. And I want you to take those scriptures and I want you to pray the scriptures and I want you to say, you know what, Jesus, I believe your word. I believe what you said you will do, you will do. And I stand on this word and this promise 
for me or maybe for your children, maybe for your parents, maybe for a loved one, maybe for a friend at work, maybe for someone that you're praying for, maybe for yourself. And I want you to begin to stand on that word and say, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to just let go of control because remember we've learned that that's what faith really is, is letting go of control and saying, Jesus, I trust you, right? It may not happen exactly when I want it to happen, and it may happen instantly the moment you pray. I've heard testimonies of both. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter how. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to trust Him and to obey Him. Amen? And put action to your faith. Put action to your faith. I don't feel good. That's the truth. But I still believe that your word is true. So God, in Jesus' name, I'm going to walk on this knee. I believe. I'm, I'm not just going to sit down and feel sorry for myself. I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord. Ah, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting in your word. Thank you for healing me. Thank you, God. Thank you that I know your word is true. I'm in pain right now, Lord, but I trust you. I trust your word. Does that make sense? Even though you may, and that, that applies for anything that you're standing in faith in, whether it be healing, whether it be for uh, out of getting out of some situation, no matter what chaos, no matter what stress is going on in your life, find out what the word of God says on it and stand in faith. Amen. The Bible says if we ask according to his will, his word. So I want you to get those scriptures today on the way out. And I want you to get one of those cards. I want you to look those scriptures up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do these, these four things with it. I want you to pray these scriptures when you're trusting God for healing. And believe just as that woman with the issue of blood did. That Jesus is our healer. I want you to read these scriptures to encourage you when you may have doubt. Because doubt does come. Anybody found that one out? And when it comes, you have to reassure yourself and remind yourself what the Word of God says. Amen? Third thing I want you to do is speak the Scriptures out loud so you can hear yourself declaring the promises of God over you and your family. Just like I did just a minute ago, showing you kind of what I did. And then the fourth thing, think on these Scriptures throughout your day and share them with others to know that we can trust God and have faith that He is our healer. Amen? There's still healing in His wings. Amen? There's still healing in his wings. There's still deliverance in his wings. There's still hope. There's still hope. You might have walked in here today and said, I don't have any hope for the situation that I'm going through. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. There's still hope through Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Derek, I walked in this place with no hope. But after hearing about Jesus, I know that there is hope for me and hope for my family. And you say, I desperately need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I've never asked him to come into my heart today. And if that's you and you're in this place, I want you to simply let me know that you're here by lifting your hand and putting it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. See that hand. See that hand. Anyone else in this place today? I need that hope. Or maybe you have said that prayer before and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, but you've broken fellowship with him and you just haven't been faithful in your walk with him. You say, I, I feel the need to recommit myself to him today and declare that he is my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand and put it back down. I see that hand. Anyone else in this place? I see that hand. I see that hand. 
Thank you, Jesus. Would you say this prayer with me this morning? Say, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in your word. I trust that you're faithful to do what your word says. I trust that you died and you were risen again. And now you can live in my heart. And I invite you in to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be the leader of my life. And I'll follow you and give you everything that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, I would love for you to let us know. There's a number and an email address on your bulletin. <clears throat> you can contact us. We want to help you on the next step in your journey. Or there's going to be people up here praying after the service is over. Maybe you need someone just to agree with you for a healing, for maybe uh, a situation going on in your life. And you need someone just to touch and agree with you and to help uh, just be there for you and pray the word of God and to pray for you. We want to do that. And you can let those people know that you prayed that prayer as well because we do want to help you on the next step in your journey. Amen. The word of God is true and I believe it. Amen. Stand with me today. Thank you for hanging out. Are you glad to come to church today? Amen. Amen. Let's walk out full of faith, being the people of God that he's called us to be, loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Number 6 and 24 says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless your word of grace. Have a great week. You're dismissed.